You are now tuned in to Unscripted Lyrics with DJ Epic. What up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted Lyrics. I am your host, DJ Epic, man. I'm feeling good. I'm happy to be here. I'm blessed. Hope y'all doing all right, man. I appreciate y'all tuning in. And let me tell you right now, today's episode is going to be so incredible because I am sitting down with a legendary DJ, one of my role models, one of the greatest DJs to touch two turntables, um, and that is DJ Charlie Chan Soprano is going to be our guest today. And if you don't know who Charlie Chan is, he is the official tour DJ for DMC of the legendary hip-hop group Run DMC. The guy, he officially, actually was the official DJ that replaced Jam Master J. Um, so today, you know, we're going to listen to that, that uh, interview I did with, with Charlie Chan. And uh, we're going to talk about so much history, man. Stories of his friendship with Jam Master J. Stories of him being on tour with Run DMC. Stories of him, you know, traveling to worldwide to like Dubai and everything, man. Um, the guy has so much knowledge, man. 30 plus years in the DJ game. Stories with, oh, shoot, man. Just anybody you can think of. He was a tour DJ for the Brat. So it's just a lot of incredible stories we're going to hear. I sat down with Charlie Chan. Here's the thing. So I sat down with Charlie Chan. And, you know, my intentions were to do an hour interview. But we got to talking. And this interview ended up being like three and a half hours. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to chop it up into two parts. So I'm going to drop one. And then the, 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 I'll follow up with the uh, part two. Um, probably going to follow up with that Friday. Uh, and it was just, man, I'm going to tell you something right now. Um, anybody out there, if you ever have a chance to sit down with someone in, the, in music, someone with just that history, you just got to take your time and pick their brains, talk to them, listen to the stories. That's how the culture is going to keep going. That's how we pass the culture down, man. Like me and Charlie Chan, after the after we stopped recording, we did a three and a half hour session, pretty much four hours. And after that, we still talked for another two hours after that. I mean, my goodness, like just he has so many gems, so much knowledge. Um, normally, before the podcast starts, you know, I, I talk about some things that have been going on, but the interview was just so great that I don't even want to take away from it. So, what, what I want y'all to do, man, make sure y'all follow me, DJ Epic, um, social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and I am DJ Epic. Um, you can follow my official uh, fan page on Facebook, and that's just facebook.com slash DJ Epic. And uh, you can, of course, get a link to all that on my website, which is imdjepic.com. So, look, listen to the podcast, listen to the interview. I hope y'all like it. I hope y'all enjoy it. I'm already working on my next two guests I got coming in. It's just going to keep getting bigger and better. And I do appreciate y'all support, man. Make sure y'all leave a comment. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you share it. Like I said, this interview is it's, it's important to the culture, especially for my people in St. Louis. Um, I know people listen worldwide, but um, a lot of times people, when you think of St. Louis hip-hop, you only think of Nelly. And Charlie Chan just has that, that history. So we're going to talk a lot about St. Louis hip-hop what the scene was like in St. Louis hip-hop 30 years ago, man. 
So I hope y'all t- take away from his uh, from this interview as much as I did. But just make sure you follow us. Hit me up, man. Have any comments or questions? Let me know. Once again, I appreciate y'all support. So without further ado, Charlie Chan Soprano. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got the legendary DJ Charlie Chan Soprano in the studio. Gangster. What's up, man? What's happening, homie? Bro, man, I'm so excited about this, man. I've been wanting to sit down and talk to you for a minute, bro. Man, I'm always excited that anybody wants to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Nah, man, it's been, bro, I I tell people this story when I get a chance. Like, Charlie Chan is the first DJ, period, that I had a mixtape from. He was the first, before... Any anybody else that was dropping mixtapes, even on any other DJ you think of, I was the first mix. I remember um, I met you for the first time in person at the High Point, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that later. But I, I met you at the High Point, and you were spinning. Uh, this is the original, original High Point. And uh, after you was done, I came up to you and spoke to you. You ain't know me. I wasn't even DJing. Yet. I was I was nobody. And um, I remember I said, I, I mean, I want to get a next mixtape. And then you gave it to him. I said, how much? You said, nah, man, you can just have it, bro. Yeah. That yeah, right there. Me. That right there. And this guy, look, man, I, I'm I'm just really excited, man. This guy has just been an inspiration to me. Damn, man, so how you feeling? I'm feeling good, dog. I'm feeling blessed. <laughs> That's what's up. Now, for, you, for, for those of you who don't know who Charlie Chan is, you should know if you're a hip-hop head because this guy is a hip-hop pioneer. Um, you are the official DJ for DMC or Run DMC, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's iconic right there. You telling me I still don't believe it. I'm with him, but I, I, I still be like a fan. He t- he signed autographs. I will be sitting to the side. <laughs> he be looking at me like, "What? You do good to sign autograph?" I'm like, "Well, that's the king, you know." And they like, "But you with him?" I'm like, "Yeah, you right. You right. Well, let me get up." <laughs> you don't know, you don't realize your celebrity, man. You I, bro, you're you're a legend in the DJ game, man. Yeah, that's true. You have thirty plus years in the game, right? Yep. So let's talk about this. You're from St. Louis, yes I am. Born and raised. Let's talk about how did you get started? What was what was your influence? What made you get into it? Well, first and how thing, old were you? First thing is music. So my mother being a single parent, she divorced my stepfather. I think I was like five. And we moved to U City. So it was just me and mom's and she always played music. She had records. So you know, you little you know, kids won't touch stuff. Yeah, so definitely. She didn't let me touch it at five. <laughs> like about six. She let me touch the record player. She showed me how I operated. And then, then I want to buy records. So we always went to Target and Venture. And you can get a 45 for like 99 cents. Yeah. So I would go look and be like, Mom, what's this record here? It says Stevie Wonder, Sign Still Delivered. She's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she'll sing it. So I was buying music. And just over years, you know, I just had music. Mm-hmm. And then the year was 1982. I was going to Houston, Texas to stay with my grandmother. Because stay with grandma every summer. Okay. And my cousin, Rick Mansfield, who DJ, he's moving down there, so I'm riding with him, and he played this tape. And it's uh, Let It Whip by the Dance Band and uh, Soul Sonic Force, Africa Bambada. I mean, Planet Rock, Africa Bambada, Soul yeah. Sonic Force. So he mixed them together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, um, how you do that? Like, how you got <laughs> both these songs playing together? Like, um... Right, what you got two two stereo systems playing at the same time yeah. <laughs> and he you know kind of just told me like a mixer two turntables he kind of broke it down I still didn't get it mm. I just knew it was dope so spending some of my grandmother I come home and 
I think somebody on my block had a mix, so I can't quite remember. But at that point, I called myself a DJ. And I ain't done nothing yet. <laughs> at that point, to me, I'm a DJ because I own about maybe 200 records at this point. Oh, 200? Yeah, I'm, I'm 12 years old. I own probably about 200 records. 12 records. years old with 200 yeah. records. I had LPs because I didn't know what, you know, a few 12 inches, but most everything was like Rick James, Tina Marie. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's so, big because it ain't like you had MP3s you just download them. No. Man, I actually had albums for real. <laughs> yeah. And my cousin ended up moving back. And of course, every Sunday I go over there and get a haircut and hang out. And he make a mixtape, so I finally got to see it. Yeah. Two turns day was a mixer and him doing it. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'ma do this. But I'm break dancing at the time too. Oh, you was a break dancer. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm putting it down, people don't want to see me on the floor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in the process, of that uh, DJ Jelly, who's in Atlanta now. Yeah, yeah. He's from UC. We grew up together. Okay. His nickname was Jelly Bean. Okay. And he's an artist. Well, he's breakdancing too. Mm-hmm. And they was doing a show on Continental Cable. Okay. It's going to go in there and perform. So he was like, I got this mixtape done from Cutmaster K, which is our boy Leone. Yeah. Who was also a part of a legal <laughs> assembly. Yeah. So we go over his house and, like, he's scratching. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, that's what that is. <laughs> and he's doing these mixes that at this time I never heard. Like, we always just mix hip-hop with hip-hop, rock with rock, and so forth. He got, like, a rock record and a hip-hop record. Okay. And he killing it. And at that point, I knew I had to be a DJ. So, saved up a little money. Not enough. I'm still buying records. My cousin gave me two turntables and a mixer and a component system. <laughs> he used to work Wow. At, component system. Yeah, he used to work at Video Concepts <laughs> at Northwest Plaza. He was a manager. So, mm-hmm. you know, he hooked me up with that. And then from there, I just started, like, making mixes and just challenging anybody who thought they could DJ. And next thing you know, I was doing parties. And and the party thing came from a guy who I graduated, Brooks Gilly. He, he was going to Washu, and he's like, yo, 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 the Alphas want me to do their party. I'm like, well, my cousin Alpha, I don't understand why he ain't DJing. But mm-hmm. they asked you, cool. Well, he's like, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. And it was at the Holiday Inn on Lindbergh. And, like, I killed it. So next thing you know... I'm doing parties with him, and it just went from there. Like, all the frat parties. If you was in the fraternity, you was here, you know me, I did your party. And I held the fraternity scene down. Well, just the college scene in general. Yeah. Maybe like 10, almost 15 years. Like, I did 97% of the parties. Wow. Like, you, you couldn't get in. So, you said you, so you started, you got your equipment. 84. 84. Mm-hmm. So, did you practice you just practice on your own or yeah, were you on my own I, I taught myself okay like i say like if i saw you i would watch you okay then i would go home and go, okay he did this okay and then that's what i would do but the mixing part was a little harder because the scratching came easy the mixing part was harder but we came up in a time where you don't bite mm. so say if you mix say you mix suck mc Beatbox and Planet Rock. Now they probably don't go together, but just for the sake of conversation. Yeah. Suck MC, Planet Rock, Beatbox. Okay. I would take Planet Rock out and do Suck MC and Beatbox. So I felt like yeah. I was creating okay. Okay. my own mix because I didn't hear you do it. Yeah. But if I do the same three or any the combination of the three, it's like, oh man, he was biting. But I just did that and just over the time you just kind of learn. It's like it's like a gift. Like, you know, you spend it's hard to explain. It's like, how do you explain somebody? What you think when you put your pants on every morning? Because yeah. you don't think about it. You yeah. just get up, one leg, boom, zip up, you're gone. Yeah. So it's like the same thing with DJing. Whatever it was, I just knew. Mm-hmm. 
And I listened a lot and paid attention and I just happened to be good at it. That's all I can say is just a gift. But, okay, I mean, that's true. You, you just get at it, but you were definitely dedicated. You put in the oh, work. Oh, man, and, every day. And you know, a lot of times nowadays, you have people that want to be great. And they just want to be great. They just yeah. want it. They don't want to work. They don't put in that time and effort. That's what I was asking. So, like, you so you self-taught. How many, like, how, how many hours were you putting in? Like, how much time were you practicing? Let's say I got out of school. If I didn't have any homework, well, I had to clean up first. You know, we always had chores. Yeah, you got to do that. Mom's got home by 530, so I have to clean. <laughs> so, I'd be listening to music while I'm cleaning and then thinking of mixes. Sometimes I might stop and write them down. Then she come on, we eat dinner. So, let's say on a weeknight, like 7 to midnight. Okay. I might have been practicing like Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday. Friday might be practicing at 2 a.m. Saturday, noon to 6, noon to 7. Like, that's just all I was doing. So how long did it take you from how much time elapsed from when you first started really practicing to really getting the scratching and the mixing down? Maybe four months. Maybe four months. I mean, it's hard for me to say because... I could always cut and scratching was real, it was easier. Yeah. And it was more simplistic then. So it was like, I could do what Grandmaster Flash was doing as far as what we heard in like a day or two. So as scratches became more, then we started hearing like say Jam Master Jay. So you practice that, might take a week to learn. Okay. And it was just a progression. And after him, it was Mixmaster Ice. And we learned that scratch. And then after that, it was Dougie Fresh to get fresh because we was learning that. And this is just based off record. So whatever record we heard, that's what we learned from. Mm-hmm. And just practicing all the time so it it it, it might have been a week it could have been two weeks but when you in there every day doing it and i wasn't concentrating on it like i'm gonna learn this scratch it was just like okay today okay 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 okay, okay, okay let's let's work this mix oh man hold on wait a minute okay, okay, okay. oh no i'm on it now i'm on it <laughs> next thing you know you just doing it yeah you just doing it and that's that's just how it went till the transformer came along <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't figure it out. And then somebody did it, used a little line switch. Then I figured out the, the motion and what it should sound like when you do it. I had a crossfade. I, I refused to do the line switch. I thought that was cheap. Yeah, yeah. Jazz Jeff wasn't cheap. <laughs> you know? And that would have probably been the one scratch that made me want to quit. Because it took a long time to get probably hmm, four months, maybe. Maybe five. What about the crab? I still can't do the <laughs> I can't get them fingers to work. I can get that ripple two or three times. But the the crazy thing about that is when you practice, I came up with other scratches trying to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know the names to all of them because, you know, Cuban, they the ones that name every damn thing. Yeah, yeah. I just go check this out. <laughs> and they'll be like, man, it's the five clicks flare. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> like, so that's what you say. You know, like, it's just, um, like I said, the scratch, it just came. It just. As long as I could do what was on record, you know, we was good. But I was pushing it beyond that because I would meet somebody who wasn't as skilled in me, but they had a whole new thought process. And that would push me. Like uh, my boy DJ Professional, Stan White, he was the first DJ I met that had found his own phrases to scratch. Like at this time, this had to be like about 86, 87. I'm still cutting what I hear on record and then creating my own variation where... He was straight up like, hit it. And I'm like, yo, yo, you cutting that off of Dougie? I never thought to do that. <laughs> so I put the record on, hit it. And then, then I said, okay, I get it. So then I start looking for phrases and sounds to do. So, you know, I, I took the his little thought pattern and put it to mine. And voila, magic. Gotcha. 
behind you. That's just it's it's genius. Yeah. Like and that's what that's and that's one reason why I really want to sit down and talk to you. So listening to you talk about how you develop your craft and your form, it reminds me of like when I listen to Kanye West talk about how he develops beats. Like to me, Kanye West, he look crazy, but he a genius though when it comes to yeah. music. Yeah. And that's what, like you when it comes to DJing, you're a, a genius. I try to be. I really do. I really do. Do you remember your first gig? The first gig was um, This is funny too. <laughs> It was a basement party Off of Arlington I wonder how you got booked For that gig too um, My boy uh, Joe We call him Joe Rockhead Because his head was hard <laughs> but it was, part of mine, I grew up with that Joe Richardson But we did call him Joe Rockhead He could fight too He was tough That's mm. why he was my homie You, know, you, you, you want to go to war You take him You yeah. want to fight against him Trust me uh, He knew the girls yeah. So it was a basement party Nobody came for real I was set up on the washer And dryer Wow. So everybody was outside in the yard. I remember they, I had my house because they took them and set them up to the little basement window. Oh, yeah. And everybody was outside and Kool-Aid went with yeah. us. So he was outside. <laughs> he come in and he had like, I don't know how many guys. It was cool, Odie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Northside Pots. And I'm looking like, okay. And they're like, yeah, this is my man, Odie. He can DJ too. I'm thinking, so. <laughs> yeah, he want to get on. I'm like, no. <laughs> we Northside Posse. So. Yeah. Like, I don't care. So they stayed in the men's and they went back outside. Cool. They're like, oh, they cool. Such and such. But that's the point. I'm like, I don't care. Like, they all gonna come here like I'm scared. Like, they gonna jump me or something. Like, I don't care. And that's just how I felt because we were so competitive. Yeah. And and then, you know, years later, like, I'll just say now, me and Odie, like, the best of friends. Like, yeah, for real. But I. That's a good guy right Yeah. There. I just remember that time, you know. Yeah. We were young. Well, I had to be like 15 doing that party. I'd never forget. And, like, it was a bomb. It bust. It was a bust. <laughs> it was a. It was a bust. Yeah. It was like, if anybody came, it was outside. And I don't remember it being. A, I don't remember it being really anybody for real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like, hey, play this, play that. I'm just yeah. in a DJ and playing steady B, rocking, and I'm in the basement all by myself. <laughs> Even the Get girl who in. threw the party come down. You okay? You want some water? And then go back out. But they can hear you outside though, right? Yeah, they can hear me outside. Oh yeah, you was okay. I got you. I got you. But it just. I couldn't see nobody. <laughs> yeah. So you you're definitely on the national level now. So that was your first gig. Do you recall when you started transitioning to really get your name out there in St. Louis, like locally? I was just DJing. Like I didn't, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about nothing but just I wanted to be the best, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the best here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and then I wanted to be able to compete with anybody else, no matter who they was, like. Say if Jazzy Jeff came, I wouldn't say I could beat him, but I'd be thinking I'm gonna hang with you. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a tough time, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or if we on the same show and you get to see me, you gonna be like that dude, dope. I'm gonna put him on with me. Like that's just what my mindset was. And then anybody who thought they was better, just let's go. Mm-hmm. That's just what it was for me, cause like I said, we was competitive. So you know, guy, you know how you know how St. Louis is. All yeah. he can't really DJ, he can't do nothing. Let's battle. And that either you gotta put up a shut up. Cause at right. this point, I'm I'm not talking. I ain't no fighter. I ain't even trying to fight you. <laughs> I'm just like, but you can't beat me doing this. That's just how I felt. So that's all that was on my mind. And it just over time, it just grew. You know, it just grew. I wouldn't even think about getting no money. I wouldn't think about getting no money. I wouldn't think about no girls or nothing. It was straight up like, yo, who wanna battle? Like, you know. That's it, taking on all challenges. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like I was walking around with two like 12 inches on my sides, like guns, like who want to get it? So, so <laughs> was there any DJs in St. Louis that could, that it was tough for you? Like that could hang with you a little bit? We never battled. Oh, okay, never battled. No battle. Uh, Daryl, 
uh, one rough DJ. Yeah, that was my man. Dur- Daryl was nice. Daryl was nice. Uh, he could cut scratch. He was like a complete package. Um, my man Wilson, crazy cuts. He was fast. He was fast on that back to back. I hadn't seen nobody faster than him. Um, there was this cat named Patrick. He grew up in Berkeley. He knew my man, DJ Professional. He was nice on the scratch. I said, in my mind at that time, he was probably the best person who could cut and scratch. Like, I didn't hear nobody mm-hmm. at that time that was better than him. But he wasn't out there like that. So, yeah. he not get the glory. I was getting the glory because I was out. Yeah. But, right. but he was dope. Like, I ain't going to, you know, front. And then my man Stan White, you know, DJ Professional. Yeah. He was dope too. I, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna say he was better. And I ain't gonna say I'm better because that's like that's like my boy. Like we close, but mm-hmm. I put it like this: he probably could have beat me. I know he would have definitely gave me some hell because mm-hmm. he thought outside the box when it yeah. came to the cuts and the scratches, and he had every hip hop record. I mean, like for real, because he had family in Detroit, Chicago, so he traveled up there. You know, he's 16. He had a job, job. You know, he was in the cars. Yeah. You know, putting them kits on him. Like he was making some money. You know. I don't know what job he was doing, but I just know he had paper. And he had every record. I'd just be at his house like, damn, I ain't never, who the hell is the Dismasters? Who, you know, <laughs> who the hell is J, uh, 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 JVC for us? Like, well, I mean, by then, you had a nice collection, right? Because you had yeah. 200 at like 12. Yeah, but his, it's like, you know, I was buying what we had the street side of what we knew. Okay. By him going to Chicago and Detroit, uh, they were bigger markets. Yeah. So we eventually got the record. But he had it first, mm-hmm. and that was that was the thing. He had it first, so say we'll just say, Cool C, Glamorous Life. You know he playing that, and I'm like, who the hell's Cool C? Mm-hmm. He like, yo, you know he down steady B. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I'm in the record store, like they like, no, it's coming, it's coming yeah, in two man. weeks or yeah. next week. And he had it for a month. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he uh, if he had been out the same time, yeah, it'd probably be him sitting there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I gotta give it up. It was guys that was dope. We were all dope in our own ways and did our own thing. But you know, some people like you know, we always hear about you know Jordan the best player, but then there's always that one guy, Manny Gold or whatever that you know yeah. touched the top of the, the goal. And they was like, yo, he would have been the best in the world had he been in that position or got the opportunity. Well, my man DJ Professional worked all the time. Yeah, and see, I'm around him, so I can see what kind of this he might have won because he did stuff that made me go, damn. Where I'm listening to everybody else who's like I'm listening to Daryl, I'm listening to Odie. In my opinion, they weren't doing mixes I thought that was that good or something that made me go, man, I didn't think of that. Yeah. You know, even though they were dope. But when I heard professional, I was like, I had to go home practice. You know, he was just he was just that dude. So what was and I'm curious, what was the St. Louis hip hop scene like back? Or was there one? Because uh, a lot for a lot of people, St. Louis hip hop didn't start until Nelly. For a oh lot of people, I, for what was it like back then, man? It was the greatest thing ever, in my opinion. It's nothing like right now. I mean, it's definitely the sign of the times. Yeah. Okay, we had Jockenstein on the radio. Yeah. On WESL first, which is an AM station. Yes, sir. And, and a lot of people don't understand. We didn't get hip hop all the time. They think you know it was all our time. No, we used to get hip hop from five to seven, <laughs> Monday through Friday. That was on WESL, which was AM station. He played an hour of music, and then he did roll call, where you know he played a beat. The most famous was the Genius Rap. Yeah. 
Yeah. But before that, it was moved to the groove by Disco Four. <laughs> before he changed it, you know, we had the call and response. Everybody called, had that same little chat. And then you had guys who could rhyme, like you had Kid Rock, Kid Smooth. Mm -hmm. They call, you know, Colonel Lee. Wow. And everybody tried to get on that show. That was like everybody listened every day. So you go back to school, be like, man, did you hear Colonel Lee snap? Mm. He, he was Joni, wasn't he? Like <laughs> that. That's how dope that was. And then on top of that. On the weekends, they were at either, I think it was still the Victory Center at that time, or something like that. It was right there on uh, Page and Union, and then okay. stuff was going on at the Kill Club. So they had these big parties with, like, Lightning Rod, uh, you had TFC, Total Fun Connection, you had uh, P-Funk, like, these big DJ groups, and you would, you know, I remember seeing the flyer. I never went, because too young, and couldn't go. It was in the city. I, nobody was <laughs> uh, And... I remember just like there was epic battles. It was yeah. just epic things going on. Like, and the thing is, if you couldn't do it, you weren't doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, because you know, you don't want to be called whack or none of that. So, the guys who actually did it, they were great. And I just remember, like, one day I'm going to make it down there. And I, and I never did because at the time, you know, I'm in U City. I know the Stiff family. They, okay. they don't own Saints at this time, but they work there. Yeah. And Drexel is running it. Mm -hmm. So me and Rat, we cool. They stay right around the corner from me. I start doing Saints. Start DJing there with my partner in crime, my David Roberts. Uh, rest in peace. He went by Day Day. And, like, you know, we was rapping. We come up, start doing our thing, like, 86, 87. And the roll call stuff was over, but there's still people doing things. Like, Silk Smooth is rhyming at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, Odie. He's still in the game. Uh, you had MC Cool Chill, who was with Daryl. Uh, you had my man Def G. Uh, Jody was around from JCD a little later, but he come around that time. Uh, man, it was it was a lot of guys. But you know, we had um, Black Pearl Mafia. You know, all black. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it it was great because. When we had hip-hop shows, the city would come out. Mm -hmm. Like uh, George Poole, who was a party promoter, did a lot of high school stuff. He had the City versus County show that would go down at Jennings. That gym or that auditorium would be packed. <laughs> you got that tall-ass, what, six-foot trophy, five-foot trophy. And it was City versus County. I remember them. You know, my boy Day Day, he won. He had to run out of there. He's come get him. <laughs> <laughs> my partner's uh, MOB, they won. I mean... It was just fun, and and mm -hmm. you and we all knew each other, but we was competitive. Like we did a show at East St. Louis Gym, and uh, so smooth. This this me and uh, my man changed his name to D Rebel. He dissed us on the show. I got the video. He dissed y'all, man. Yeah, we had got down with Wiz, mm -hmm. G Wiz. Yeah. So I went to try records, and we had this thing called uh, Black Power in Effect. It was B Pie and, and Silk Rhyme. He was like, yeah, yeah, these guys claim a Black Power, something, 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 something. We didn't know it at the time on the show, but his boy was Def G. And we had a meeting, and Def G was like, yeah, he dissed y'all on the show. Aww. So I went back and watched the video like, wow, he did. And then, you know, me and Silk Smooth, cool, but we had a conversation about those days. And he just straight up said, he said, man, we was jealous. And he straight said, he's like, we was hating, we was jealous. Like, y'all had good music, y'all was doing it, we was jealous. And I, you know, that's my man, you know what I'm saying? But he was man enough to say. Yeah, you got to respect that. But it was, it's 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 a lot better now because, I mean, it was a lot better then in my opinion yeah. because it wasn't as many people, wasn't as saturated. Uh, we were having more fun. Like, we, of course, we wanted a deal and we wanted to get money like anybody else. But mm -hmm. we had so much fun doing it that we really didn't, we wasn't too much tripping off of that. So, 
who was who were some of the artists that you actually DJ for starting off the St. Louis back then? I know you were kind of young. I was DJing for everybody, but me and D Rebel, Day Day, David Roberts, Dangerous D. You know, y'all know his names. Prince, the Prince, Michael Jackson, James Brown, hip hop, because <laughs> those were his idols. Uh, it was basically me and him, you know. And then it would be other guys. Like I can't remember nobody because nobody did anything. You know, it's like yeah, be my yeah. DJ. And I'm like okay. But later, for real, it was JCD and the Dog Pound. Uh, Kool Aid started off as a DJ, and I don't think he wanted to stay mm-hmm. like the DJ, be like a road DJ or whatever. So I did that for a couple of years. We we went out there a little tour. I mean, it was cool. He kind of got jerked around by the same company, Total Track, that had signed Silk Smooth. You know, deals didn't work out. You know how that go. Yeah. Um, then after that, it was basically um, Don Juan. <laughs> Our boy D to the C, Big D. Uh, I was his DJ. I can, um, he, and, and I was Ram Love's DJ. Let me remember that too. I was also the DJ for Ram Love, who changed his name to Ram Real Track Killer. Ram Real Track Killer. But I was his DJ, and then Don Juan looked up to him. Mm. But I knew he was never gonna let him rap. He just, cause I could just tell. And I one day, I didn't want to say it. I was like, yo, man, I'll DJ for you. Like, let's, let's get out, produce, I'll make beats. Because he was hungry. Like, I'm talking about, i never seen that hunger in the MC since him. Mm-hmm. And I was his DJ. You saw us always together. And then Ram was kind of doing the kind of one, you know. But I was I was D's producer and everything. And it was mainly him. Mm-hmm. And then we um, added uh, my boy DJ Rod X. He come along. He was like a fan. And he ended up being my DJ partner. Like, I owe my evolution and going from, say, zero to 100 (laughs) was based on him because he could DJ. And he was in the Nation of Islam. And he, it's the way he talked because he talked about being self-reliant and things of that nature. That's where the whole 24 scientists thing kind of come into play. Mm -hmm. And we would practice. And I noticed he never emulated like he was be- he was big on I got my own style I do my own thing and he was giving me tips like I'm used to alright we get on I'm gonna do better than you like and that's what we were doing so we constantly was going at each other but it's, yeah. it's unspoken and he'd be like man when I think I got you you come up with stuff so I'm like well I'm kind of watching you and subliminally what he can't do I'm grabbing but what I can't do he's grabbing so it got to a point where he was like yo man do that again he was like, all right, you, you fucking up right now. <laughs> but that one part, just do that. The part that you got. He like, just do that. So I would do it. He said, okay, now you're messing up trying to transition to the other. Don't transition. Just go from there to there. And, and I got it. And next thing you know, he DJing with me. We rocking it. Um, I end up getting a keyboard sampler and Sonic EPS. He wants to learn how to produce. I show him how to work it. We get it going. I get a call from uh, David Stiff. He's like, yo, we got the studio up in Saints. Yeah. Come record this before Nelly, anybody recorded. Yeah. So he was like, we got you. So I take, I go in and I got Don Juan with me because he don't know about Rod X. And I say, yo, Big D, I want to get Rod in there. So let's uh say we a group. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. I was like, say we a group. And he come in, Rod like, all right, we a group. And he said, let's call ourselves 24 Scientists because he had it on a hat. Mm-hmm. We ain't know nothing about it. We was like, whatever, fool. Whatever, just, let's get in here. And then we did a few songs, didn't last. And then one day he got to talking to me, you know, because I listened to Public Game. I was like, who the hell is Farrakhan? 
you know, he got to breaking down, you know, mm-hmm. Farrakhan, Malcolm X. And then I started reading books. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, man, let's do this for real. He said, let's really start this. And he broke it down like, you know, 24 scientists, they, you know, they write history. They in Revelations since before 20 elders. He was like, as a DJ here, everything you've done, you kind of did it on your own as far as being self-reliant. You didn't have to follow anyone. So you kind of set the tone. He said, you kind of like writing the history. Like if you want to be successful or be on a path to DJ, you kind of got to do what Charlie Chan is doing or has done. Yeah. You know, and it made sense because we, we, when we formed the group and started adding members, there was no other group that had members we had till later, you know, the Ruckus crew come along, Mo Dude, with all them, but we was like, before then, like we was before Wu-Tang, <laughs> you know, doing our thing, and it just, um, it just, it just worked, you know what I'm saying, like, they was all with me, of course, I'm DJ of the group, um, what happens, okay, the night Tupac dies, I do a DJ battle in Lawrence, Kansas, where, Jock Max and DJ Fresh are against me. I don't even know. I take DJ Alahan with me. And I'm like in the car, like, dude, we gotta kill these fools. Like, going to Kansas, they ain't ready for us, man. They live in the country with they scratching with chickens. You know, like, <laughs> you know, we joking and little did I know <laughs> that he didn't care for me. Mm-hmm. But we had done gigs together. I hooked him up with gigs. At one point we wanted to make the crew. We just had to ask them. Well, I go up and I win the battle. Battle was over. DJ Press uh, came up and Jock Max was like, "Yeah, you won." Blah blah blah. We sorry. I'm like, "Sorry about what?" He's like, "Man, we didn't want you to win." That's why when Alakon got eliminated, mm. we brought him back oh. to go again because we wanted you out. Oh. And Alakon didn't have no more records, and I let him use mine. God, because I didn't care. I was like, you know, we up here. I'm like, I didn't care if he won, I won. The thing was to come back in my eyes one and two. So, you know, we could talk trash. But after I won, he was going off. Man, fuck this battle, it's bullshit. I mean, he was going off. And Solo was with us because he took us. And Solo yeah. was like, he mad because you won. But y'all rolled together. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and then he said, man, you won fair and square, but fuck this shit. Da, 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 da. And after that, and he heard the apology. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so then the prize was five hundred dollars cash, a trophy that I never got, and open up for Run DMC. So before they're in Kansas, they're in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. The Galaxy Club. They say, "Yo, we're gonna buy the night out from me because I had the night I promoted it." So they uh, bought the night out from me, paid me some money to promote the show, and then hired the groups. So I went to Fab Squad. You know, I got us, I got the Ruckus, like all of us open the show. Run MC do that thing. Jay coming off stage and I grab him. I'm like, yo, Jay, just stay on the stage. Like, I gotta show you something. So I get up. I'm like, yo, I won this battle. Blah blah blah. Peter Piper's the record I won the battle with. Let me show you the routine. And I did the routine, and everybody went crazy. And Jay was like, all right, all right, Charlie. I'll see you in a couple of days. So I get to Kansas, looking for Jay. I don't see him. They don't tell me what I'm doing. I just know I gotta do the routine. But nobody said I was DJing the show. So I actually brought records at two crates. I kill it. Run MC, do their thing. They need, they bring me back out. Do say, all right, do the routine that won the battle. I freak the routine, it's over. 
crowd love him. I'm like, damn, where Jay at? He walked out. What's up, Charlie? Oh, man, you hot. He's like, where the rest of the records at? I'm like, it's just these two crates. <laughs> he said, dog, you was DJ for almost three hours. You wasn't playing out these two crates. Stop playing. Where the rest of the records? I'm like, Jay, look. He looked through. He's like, damn, Charlie. Well, how about um, you come to Florida? How can I be down? This was 96, the very last one they had. Yeah. He said, I'm doing my party. And I was like, all right, bet, cool. So we go to the club. We hanging. But me and my boy Rich Money, we trying not to jock him, you know. My boy Biscuit over there, talking to Jay Hanging. Biscuit come and say, hey, let's go. So where we going, man? We tired. We ain't sleeping in the hotel. He said, nah, we going to Louisville, Kentucky. Jay wants you to open up and close the show. Dang. So we finna leave, and Jay run up. Where y'all going? We like, yo, we going home, get some money. We gonna meet you in Louisville. He's like, nah, I'm gonna fly y'all. I'm like, man, we got no clothes. We, we funky. <laughs> he like, no, nah, no, nah, I got y'all. We like, nah, we gonna be there. He looked at us. He said, don't fucking play with me. He said, don't your motherfucking ass show up in Kentucky. Don't say shit to me ever. Don't call me nothing. <laughs> we was like, oh, Jay, we going to be there. We got the info from the manager. We got to Louisville, went straight to the venue. When Jay walked in for sound check, we had been there two hours. That's how you do it. And that's how you do it. That's pretty much the connection with Run DMC from that point. I had been with them. Yeah. Even when Jay was, had passed, I was still with them. I, so I have a quick question, though. So that competition that you won that was the, the night Tupac died night Tupac died that, they weren't there though for that right no that wasn't so I, I do have a question like since that did occur the night Tupac died did y'all did the news break did you find out that night I mean yeah, that's, that's it, a big it, night they had a big screen up and they showed it you know BET announced it mm. and you know I don't like to sound cold about it but I ain't gonna say I didn't care but I was like okay yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I was a big Pac fan, and I mean, I know what it means now. But at the time, it was like you know, I was sad, of course, because he passed. But I just wasn't, I just wasn't like everybody else. But I wasn't dissing it like, oh, he passed. Like that. But you had a lot going on at night. Like yeah. you didn't like you could stop and focus and dwell on that and think about it and let it, you know. We just like Tupac died. Okay. Okay. First up, <laughs> I mean, that's how it was. It, it, I, it, I remember it very vividly. That we saw it and we was like, damn. Mm -hmm. And then that was it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't remember talking about it later, coming home. Mm -hmm. When I got home, I don't remember having no conversation. Mm -hmm. The pop death for me got more serious when Biggie got killed. Yeah. And then, you know, because they had the little riff. So then it was like, damn, okay, wow. That's when it kind of. Yeah. But before that, it's like, I'm sorry he passed, but that's just what it was. I mean, what was I? That was 96. I was 26 years old. So, and it was. I was up there for this battle, and you weren't really, yeah, I understand that. You know, and it's funny, because I think about it, I was like, man, we didn't even talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you go, you you go, you you, you go to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the first time you opened up for running. Yes, yeah, first right? time. So what? So what happened? So after you finished that set, did you speak to him? Did anything happen after that? Oh, we meet, you know we hung out with Jay because that that was our connect. And Jay was like, "Yo, whatever show you can show up, I'll let you do it." Okay. Then he, I remember this distinctly. He said, "Roll with me and give me some time, and I'm gonna look out for you." Okay. So I ain't had no money. But Biscuit had a uh, security company. You know, he, you know, had some people in the game. They was rolling us. So. 
we didn't fly. We drove everywhere because we didn't like getting on planes. So we we literally drove to Seattle mm-hmm. and drove back. We drove to L.A. to do L.A., San Francisco, San Diego. Drive back. Four days later, we in Louisiana. Like three cities. Then we home. Then next week, it's Memphis, Atlanta. Like, and I was opening and closing. And I, I, um, I was actually doing a better job than I thought because Jay said, just DJ in the beginning, and I want you to act the ass after our performance. But I was evidently acting the ass before. Oh. Because he came and said, I don't want you to open no more. I was like, what? He said, you don't know how to calm down. <laughs> he said, you killing it. Like, he said, like, I'm killing Like, I'm doing a very good job. But he's like, he need more of an opener because I was wearing the crowd out. Like, we, I got like 45 minutes to an hour before they going to hit the stage. Yeah. So, when I'm doing straight, like, what we consider real hip hop. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really doing radio records unless these records happen to be on radio. So I'm doing the De La Soul, Red Man, EPMD, like, you know, the alcoholics, like yeah. I'm, I'm Ice Cube, like I'm rocking. Mm-hmm. And he like, yeah, you killing, like you like, for real, you, you, that, you that dude, but we need a little more subdued because the people are tired. Yeah. Like we noticed after about three of our records and they got an hour show to do, they like, man, the crowd is like, can't breathe so he was like I just think it's the best decision I said well as long as I didn't you know mess up being bad I can accept being yeah, too good exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's but it did problem. hurt though it did hurt because when he first told me I was like damn yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna need you to <laughs> but no it um that was that that was great because that led to DJing for the brat they did a show with her, and I think Richie Rich was her DJ, third bass old DJ. Mm-hmm. And she ended up getting into it with him on the show. If I remember correctly, she got into it with him on the show. Could be wrong, could have been another show. But either way, she had problems with DJs. Really? They told her, we got a DJ. So it's Easter Sunday, 1997, Club Kaya in Atlanta. It's DJ Nabs in the lab. And he's crisscrosses DJ. Mm. And the popular radio DJ in Atlanta, like he the man. And uh, Run DMC's on the show. We go do sound check. He don't want me on the show. He's like, I don't need the other DJ. I got all these DJs here in Atlanta. They're going to be mad. I don't know this till later. But Jay was like, he's a part of our show. We need him here. So, of course, they do their thing. They bring me out. I'm hyped. Now, we did four shows prior to this. And I'm now talking on the mic, which I never did. Because here at home, you know, I think my voice is crappy. But on the road, they ain't know me. So I'm doing my best. <laughs> Kid Capri, uh, DJ Juice, Flex, whoever I didn't heard talk on the mic. I'm yeah. trying to imitate them. Like, yeah, yeah, y'all, you know what it is. You know, I'm trying. <laughs> but it, it was funny. I get to Atlanta, and it's like Lil John is in the building. Houdini's in the building. Like, all Atlanta stars, before we really knew them, mm. are in the building. So, you know, Jay bring me out. I walk out, and the brat and Jermaine Dupree walk out. And Jermaine's like, going to do this thing, boy. And I know Jay. Because we did a show here and Big Bob was his security. Mm-hmm. So I done did the So So Death Party in St. Louis. So, of course, you know, Jermaine recognized me. I'm really geek now, but I don't know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. So I get on, I'm doing the routine, you know, throw your hands in there. Everything I practice, the way I felt it should work, it's working. Throw your hands in her, hands went up. Make some noise, they made noise. I was yeah. like, shit. <laughs> I'm doing the tricks. Every little part of the trick that I think deserves. An ovation. I spun around. Oh, use my mouth. Oh, pause with it. Oh, did my elbows on the records. Oh, like everything. Yeah. I was like losing it. 
And the end of the routine, I do this thing about battling a space uh, a ship, an alien. Uh. And it's like, uh, I do this thing with a record where I'm just taking the sound, just making it go crazy. And I was like, you know, I battled the alien. You know, he thought he could beat me. I was like, I hit him with some interplanetary shit. Let him know you ain't fucking with us earthlings. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I start killing the record. And the crowd went bananas. Mm. And the brat is jumping up and down. Like, nigga, nigga. Like, going crazy. I get done. Throw my hands up like, yeah, yeah. And the brat jumped into my arms. And said, I need you to be my motherfucking DJ, nigga. What I gotta do? What we gotta do? I gotta have you. I flip out. Yeah. Jermaine like, welcome to So So Death, baby. You know, <laughs> let us know what you need. I didn't even grab my records or nothing. <laughs> I run off the stage, <laughs> run to the back. I'm like, Jay, run D. Yo, yo, check it out, right? They got me. You know, the brand want me to be. Oh, man, it's going down. You think I'm So So Death? So So Death. So, I'm just <laughs> tripping, you know. And they just sitting there smiling. <laughs> and then it hit me. You motherfuckers know. And Jay was like, yeah, we've been sitting on the road with no DJ. We told her we had somebody, and DJ Nabs didn't want you on the show, not knowing we had to have you because we told her to come see you. Yeah. And man, that had to be like, like the happiest night of my life. I bet, man. Because all through my life, I've opened plenty of shows. We didn't did shows with Ice T, mm-hmm. Fresh, LL, Too Short, Third Bay. I mean, you name them, we've been on the show. We've opened up Scarface. Compass Most Wanted, BDP, Sir Mix-A-Lot, Real Roxanne, me and my boy D-Rebel on all these shows. And our thing was, if you see us, we too dope for you to not take us. It never happened. So, I gave up. Like, on that aspect. I'm like, I'm gonna do this, I'm having fun, I don't care, I'll get money. And then, Jay goes, I got you. Like, the exact way I had visioned it. And then the brat sees me, and like, I got you. So at this point, it's like, you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> I'm Kanye before Kanye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. hey, dog, well, you know you DJ for the bread? Yeah, fool. I sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, man, that was like, Funkified, I was out and all that, right? That yeah, was she that. was going on the third album. This yeah, was yeah. after the second album. She's going on the third album. And she st- remember, she started acting, and she was on Rob Townsend's The Parenthood. She was. Yeah, I remember that. And that was about to go. That was about to go. But she, I don't know what happened with the whole acting. I remember she did the movie with Mariah Carey, uh, Sparkle, I believe. What's that the name? No, 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 not Sparkle. Uh, 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 shit. Oh, damn. I remember. I can't the, think of the name. It was terrible. What I remember. <laughs> <He> said, <laughs> <laughs> the movie. That's why you can't remember the name hey, of it. The movie was terrible, but I watched it because Mariah Carey was in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, we, she really thought the acting was going, and it looked like it was. It really did, but. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just, I don't know what happened. So what was that like? I gotta know, man. What was it like on tour with uh, the Brat, man? So so death. It it was it was a difference because they was a crew, mm-hmm. and I'm coming in. Mm-hmm. So it's like I always had my own ride because I had my I took my turntables and everything. I didn't know I could do a rider to make them provide it. So I'm carrying turntables, mixer, and at least three crates of records. Because mm. I don't know if I'm going to be DJing, DJing, or just doing a show with her. I really, I don't know. And I never asked. So, it was like, I'd be on the road with Run them and get the call. We need you in North Carolina on Friday. Well, it's Wednesday, and we in L.A. We got to drive home. 
So I would be like, okay, uh, we know we can probably make it to say Denver or something by Thursday. Yeah. So we'll stay in Denver so I can catch a flight Friday morning or whatever to get to North Carolina. So you you were flying the crates and everything? Man. God. And it didn't cost then. See, that extra didn't cost. Oh, okay, okay. That's, you know, they didn't they didn't trip off the weight. Mm-hmm. You you carry whatever, how many you had. Yeah. You know, and I was doing that going back and forth. So, see, being with my man Biscuit, because we like family, you know, Biscuit used to run the animal house. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, the manager and all that. So, you know, I'm like with my homie, and we good. And I hang out with Jay, you know, we kick it. And then, like, I go to the Bradwell. It's like maybe six of us total. And they already like a family. So I'm kind of like fitting in. So, like, when she get done with shows, she would just leave. Like, we was in Miami the night Tyson bid Holyfield here. We did a fight party. Mm-hmm. Literally, after the show, I'm in the VIP kicking it. Like, oh, popping bottles. I'm, I'm no <laughs> Big Willie style. You know what I'm saying? Look, broke as hell, too. They ain't got no money. I don't even think I had the latest gear on. I think I had some camouflage on and a T-shirt <laughs> and a hat or something, you know, with my Tims, you know, just trying to be hip-hop about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And we had this club where everybody G'd up <laughs> on South Beach. It's fight night, too. Yeah, yeah they clean in there. Yeah. She left me. What? She literally... Went and called a flight. Like, I, I want to go I wanna go back to Chi-Town. And left. I didn't even know. I just thought they stepped off. I'm in the VIP kicking it. It's about like midnight. I'm like, all right. My turntables and records are sitting at the door to the back of the club. So I go over the door. I see one limo, which I had my own. And I'm like, where they go? He like, oh, man, she she left. I'm like, like left what? He like, she went back to Chicago. You mean she left, left? Like, uh, <laughs> gone. Like, damn. Okay, well, I have my, you know, I have my ticket, everything. I just put my stuff, limo, go to the hotel, sleep, wake up, limo driver take me, drop me off. Like, that happened, like, several times. <laughs> so, I don't think she was into it at that time. Because, like, we, I went for two rehearsals. She didn't show up. I just rehearsed with the dancers. We had dancers. We had a routine, which she didn't even stick to it. Like, I bring her out. She'll come out. She'll be like, yo, yo, you know I was on that record with Drew Hill, right? And I play like I had instrumental because I was using Redman's 12 inch. He had instrumental remix and using the beat. Mm. And instead of her just doing her part, she said, "I'm Cisco, and you, you the other guys." And we literally on stage like trying to do something. God, <laughs> man, what? <laughs> it was funny because she be singing Cisco parts. I didn't know the rest of the record. I'm just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sleeping in my, you know, like I'm just yeah. trying to keep up. And she'd be like, you know, I'm on that record with Missy. Played it. She like, all right, you be me and I'm gonna be Missy. <laughs> it was hilarious. All audibles on you. Yeah, like I mean, uh. one time she came out, she did one record. She said, I right, do the solo. My solo was set to be in the middle. It was like a five minute break for her to catch a breath. She say, do the solo now. I'm halfway in the solo. <laughs> she jumping on me. Oh, you killing it! You killing it! I'm like. We gonna get off me like. <laughs> I mean, was she was she a little wasted? Was oh, we was drunk. We was always <laughs> drunk. Hey, I, I, I'm gonna keep it real. No, nah, well, okay, okay, that, it makes a little crazy. more sense. Yeah, now. but it was just she wasn't always drunk, but it was just she was more so just having fun. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, it's structured for me, and I'm like, okay, you're not going in order, and then our her road manager took a job somewhere else, so now her manager manager is out. And she don't know how the dats go. 
because they played the music on the deck. All I did was play the stuff she guest starred on mm-hmm. and my routine. So <laughs> she going off script, the manager screaming at me, play a song, play a song. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shawnee said, you don't play nothing till she tell you. Mm-mm. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> I ain't doing and they be mad at me. You know, you're supposed to keep in line. I'm like, but y'all control the dad. The dad ain't here with me. Yeah. It's over there with the sound guy. So I don't just play music because she, you know, she'll flip out. Yeah, of course. You know, I don't want to be the DJ like everybody else on stage. What oh, the yeah. fuck? I ain't tell you to do that. Like, no, exactly. You don't want to be that guy. And then she heard them hollering at me after the show and screamed on she said, I pay him. He do what I fucking say. Then she whispered like, next time you play something, I was fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I wouldn't have been mad. <laughs> but it was like, you know, it was it was just a difference. Like, I didn't feel like an outsider, but they was a family. Of course. So, like, you know, they had their little thing they do. Who was like, so when you were on tour with her, was there any other so-so deaf artist that was with y'all on no, tour? Just her? Just her. Just her. It was her... Maybe a label rep, stage manager. Her mother came out a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of this other guy that was with us. Oh, she had a sound guy who ran the sound. It was pretty much just us most of the time. And one time, yeah. Keisha from Total hung out with us. Alan Harris never came. And that was kind she of was crazy. dating Alan. I know, but we he never, never came out. We never saw her with him. Never. Oh. You know, everybody said, man, is she gay? Is she? I'm like, you know, I really don't know because I didn't. Mm. All I heard to talk about was penis. So, oh, I mean, well, there you go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, her and Keisha was together. They're like, girl, it's small. Look at it. You can't even see it. Like, ah, you know, nah. talking about guys. We like, we don't want to hear this. Yeah, like, man. she, I never saw any inkling of her, of her liking women or even wanting to be with him. Yeah. I just think because, you know, she was so boyish mm-hmm. that they wanted to say, you know, and it was always rumors. I'm like, but how come we never see none? I'm in Atlanta and, and ain't nobody claiming they see anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm around people who would have told me. Exactly. So, of course. You know. So how long? How long were you her DJ? How long did that last? About two years. Two, wow, that was a nice little wow, man. Yeah, it's about two years. And how did that come to an end? She just she stopped. just I didn't get called no more. <laughs> she just get the call. Like I, she wasn't rhyming. She wasn't doing anything. Yeah, that's just what it was. Like because I kept in contact, but she wasn't doing any shows because mm-hmm. I'm still I would run them. I just took it as she was. So you're still that. going back and forth. Yeah. So I also question. So what? What did the relationship become like with you and Jam Master Master J? Like outside of you, I mean, outside of just being at the show, opening up for him, did it become like? Did you build a friendship with him? Did you all talk a lot? Did you talk outside of you being on tour with him? We, we built. We definitely built a friendship. Uh, I had a few times where I was like hanging with him, you know, like in the hotel. You mm-hmm. know, he like he liked to puff. He liked to play Tekken or any of the video games. He yeah. carried he carried the PlayStation with him. Carried with him. So he showed me how to play Tekken. He never let me win though, but mm-hmm. I, I was whooping everybody else's ass afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I beat the brat so bad she threw the game off the bus. God, <laughs> oh, I let him, the no, system or just the game? Just the game. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I was such a fan, I really I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Like when I got around him, it's like okay, we playing the video game. Uh, kick your ass, Jay. I wouldn't say nothing else about 20 points. <laughs> I mean, like, we talked. Like, I remember asking questions. Like, okay, what about this? What about that? You know, just general hip-hop stuff. Yeah. And i never forget, he said, he told me he would deny this if ever questioned about it. 
he was like, yo, Charlie. And it's funny because we say Charlie here, he say Charlie like he from the South. Yeah, I'm like, he's from Queens. I'm expecting to <laughs> hear that, yo, son, you know. Yeah. He like, Charlie, let me talk to you. He's like, you one of the best DJs I run up on. And he said, you don't have to worry about no DJ you hear in New York that's popping. He said, you ain't got to worry about none of them. He said, now, some of them are my friends, so I'm going to deny this if you ever yeah. tell anybody. <laughs> When I left, I didn't tell it till he passed. I'm like, where well, you going now? Like, mm. you know, guess what he told me, y'all? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but he, you know, he had told me that, and he was, you know, he was real sincere. He's like, man, you know, you got the knack, you know, you know what to do. And then after that, I remember we had a few conversations about uh, going on the road with just him, because mm-hmm. our last conversation was like maybe a week or two before he got murdered. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, I got to teach you how to be an opener. Like, I need you to open for me and don't burn me up. He's like, because yeah. he said, you know. You know, there's phase like you had Flash, then you had Jay, and so forth and so forth. So, you know, Jay was better than Flash to mm-hmm. us. And then Mixmaster was better than Jay, and so forth and so forth. So he like, you know, you're so advanced that you can't get in the party and just kill me. Cause like I'm the star. Yeah. So he's like, you know, and I and I understood it. He's like, but I still want you to do you and come do that with me, and then later I can start getting you books. Right now nobody knows you. Mm-hmm. He said, but don't get it twisted. I was in New York, and then when I finally met you, he's like, I knew who you were when I met you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. Boogie Corleone used to be in the Navy and live in Jersey, mm-hmm. and he used to say the same thing. I was like, that's just my boy lying. Yeah, you don't know that because I didn't. I, I ain't gonna say I didn't believe him, but I didn't. You know, yeah, you know, I'm course. just like, how they know me? Yeah, I, I ain't got no mixtapes up there, but evidently mm-hmm. they did. So Jay was like, oh yeah. And then he told me something. He said, I know the DJs that hated on you. We ain't going to say no names. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. But I know. He said, you heard some stories, right? They true. That's all he said. You, was got, you got hated on by one particular DJ in your, that came to your city a few times. And he was like, it's true. He said, I know it for a fact. And I was like, wow. So what are some of these stories that you heard? Like, uh. Yo, if I come to your city, you know, Charlie Chan can't be on the show with me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he ain't good enough to be on the show with me. He can play after me. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow. So do you want to say some of these DJs that you heard? Well, it was one. It was DJ Kid Capri. I said loud and proud. <laughs> 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 well, you know, what happened was I did hear it. Now, whether it's true or not, Jay confirmed mm-hmm. what I was told. Okay. But there was another DJ. I can't remember the guy who was promoting that wanted to bring him. And he was the first person to tell me. And I really thought he was going to smoke up my ass. Yeah. But then I heard it again from somebody. So I just said, okay. And then, you know, just asking in the industry, I found out he's done it to other DJs. Mm-hmm. You know, oh no, like other DJs just got names or whatever. And if you've ever been to Kid Capri, you know, and I've I spun with everything. And like, I don't have no problems with him personally. Yeah. But the first time I officially met him, he's, he's a little bit of a bitch. Mm-hmm. It was at the Def Comedy Jam. Guy Tory was hosting. Mm-hmm. Guy got me and Rich Money in the show, gave us tickets, mm-hmm. had us backstage. And I saw Kid Capri, so I'm like, I'm going to walk him and say, what's up? Mm-hmm. So I was up, man. You know, what's up, Kid Capri? And I put my hand out like a little dap. He just looked at me like, I'll try to sign you. Like, I don't know. I was like, damn, my boy, and my boy Rich Money got temper. He was like, man, fuck him. <laughs> so I was like, damn. So I just talked to the other comedians. Guy came. It was like, yo, let me introduce you to Kid Capri. You know, he a little funny acting because, you know, he don't know, you know. You know, the New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, well, that make a little sense. So we go up, and he's like, kid, you know, we be on the bus, the mixtapes I'll be playing. This Charlie Chan, this the guy. He's like, what's up? And he dapped me then. Okay. 
then they was on a break, you know, a little intermission. He's like, yo, let's go get something to drink. You know, we went out, walked to the bar. He bought me a drink. Okay. You know, we talked a little bit, you know, nothing much major. So at that point, I mean, I thought everything was cool. I mean, I ran into him like at a DJ convention in Miami. And I spoke like, what's up, dog? And he's just kind of like, once again. So I was like, okay, this is just uh, not good. And then, you mm. know, I've just heard a lot of bad things about him. I personally don't have no issue or problem with him. Yeah. I mean, but you know, it's like when you had that certain aura about yourself and stuff, it traveled. And I've seen it several different times. And I've heard like way too many horror stories. Yeah. You know, to begin with. So I mean, like everybody can't be wrong. You know, mm. and I, you know, somebody probably said I got an attitude too. So, and I probably did. But I mean, you know, when it gets confirmed, then you kind of like, oh, like, wow. So, so like, being DJing with them and being with Jay, did you spend any time in New York? Did you go to the East Coast a lot back then? I went one time. Oh, really? One time. We drove. Me, uh, my man Prim, uh, PD Wax, you know, God, you know, rest in peace. Mm. Uh, he had Out of Order. Yeah, remember Out of Order. Yeah, but before them, he put out a... Uh, compilation CD with all the acts and he was going to meet with Jay trying to see if he could you know either get a deal or distribution deal with Universal or through Jay so we drove up and that was the time we was in the studio mm. so we know that studio where you know Jay got murdered like you know how you get in mm. you gotta get buzzed yeah. when you get buzzed you can't get in and, and that at that point that was the only time I had been mm. it was wonderful too I ain't gonna lie <laughs> so let's fast forward then when did Jay get murdered, man? What year was that? Was it 01? Like so October about, 01, something yeah. like that? Because wasn't, was, now I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't 50 Cent one of the last acts that he kind of helped blow up? Yeah, he he had 50 signed at one point. And I remember he used to play the music. And I used to go, dude, ain't going nowhere. And Jay was like, uh. But was, was this some of the, this is some of his pre stuff. Like before, kinda, before anybody yeah. even knew. Yeah. And I used to be like, because Jay was producing. And so now, you know, I'm producing too. So, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm hearing your stuff, Jay. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, it's cool. Yeah, but it, but it didn't fit 50. Not that 50 was whack because I didn't think he was whack. Mm-hmm. It was just over them beats. I was just kind of like, nah, he, he, he ain't doing it. I, you know, I saw this off subject a little bit, but I saw a couple of the people from people in those main I know. But I saw a couple of old 50 Cent performances at the tunnel in New York. And the crowd wasn't really rocking with it, but he was, you know, he had that energy. Yeah, he did. But I was just like, it was this is before anything that we knew in the studio. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't know, but yeah. I just, I'm just saying, I, just, I kind of so it wasn't really him what yeah. I what I used to now. Exactly, you know, he 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 figured it out. He did. He did figure it out. I remember the stuff Jay played, and I listened, and I was like, nah. Jay's like, you don't like that, like, dude. I'm like, it's cool, but nah. Nah, I don't, I don't hear it, dog. This, this ain't the one, you know. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, if you're if you're trying to sell him to me with this track, then no. Mm. But if you just said, hey, what do you think about his flow or whatever, I'd be like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. But you got him over beats at that time that weren't melodic enough. So it seemed like 50 was just doing whatever he could do on this beat. You know, he down with Jay, he happy, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. that was it. But I remember going, nah, he, he ain't going nowhere, Jay. <laughs> so, do you remember where you were? Did you when when Jay got murdered? You remember? Were you inside? Were you? Did you hear about home. it that night? Mm-hmm. I was at home, and we uh, PD had the wax factory, which is now Mystic. Yeah, and Biscuit works the door. I remember that. And whatever day that was, it's our night. 
So I'm at home, my two way is going off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, Jam Master J murdered, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. fake news. At the time, that's what I'm thinking. So I cut on BT. <laughs> and they talking about it. And it just hit me. I immediately jump in my ride and I go to the wax factory. Biscuit at the door. I'm like, uh, I think Nino was at the door going mm-hmm. in or something. I'm like, Biscuit, did somebody watch the door? Like, I'm trying not to get frantic. Yeah. And I was like, dog, get somebody to watch this damn door. Mm-hmm. So he gets somebody, I was like, come over here, come over here. And I was like, man, I don't. And I just start crying. And I was like, Jay is dead. He's like, what? I said, Jam Master Jay is dead. They killed him. And I'm crying. And he looked, he paced back and forth. And I said it again. And he started making calls. Mm. This can't happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this cannot happen. I mean, and then not to mention, you knew him on a personal level. Yeah, that was So like, the fact of him getting murdered probably was, I mean, I imagine, I didn't know him, but it, I, it had to be a little shocking. It was. It, it's different than, say, like, you know, you killed in a car accident. Yeah. You know, drunk driver. And, and I mean, death ain't nothing to play with. It ain't funny, no way. But, you know, you kind of can say, okay, well, damn, somebody tripping, driving. You kind of can accept that a little bit little bit more than your man was murdered in the studio in the studio and nobody knows who did it and you got to get buzzed in yeah so so we listen now so now remember it's like all right tupac is gone mm-hmm. we don't know who killed biggie you're like damn now jam master jay years later is mur- like what's going on like I don't know Jay to have beef with anybody, and I don't know his personal life that well outside of me being around him, but all I know is everybody loves Jay. Like, you love him. Yeah. Even if you don't know him. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, Jay, that's Jay. That's Run DC, baby. We love Jay. So, to hear however many people's in the studio, because somebody else got shot besides him getting you know, killed, mm-hmm. nobody is talking. Nobody. And it, just, it still shocks us today. And I'm thinking, like, man, this has got to be weird. And, you know, and that would hurt me if I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had got the news just like getting everything else, that, mm-hmm. that would hurt me. Because when Biggie passed, I kind of felt it was going to happen. Because of Pac and the whole connection. Mm-hmm. I felt Biggie was going to get hurt mm-hmm. or something. So that hurt. He was one of my favorite rappers. And then, you know, the J thing, I'm like, dude, this... This case, you know, it's just like, you know, Easy died from whatever they claim he died from. Yeah. And that hurt. It was like, what? Like, no. You know, it, it just. Yeah, there was a dark period for hip hop, man, for, for some years. You know, and Jay, he looked out. Like, you know, I'm not the only DJ he hooked up. If anybody know anything, he hooked up DJ Scratch mm-hmm. with EPMD because it was the same yep. situation. EPMD was having problems with a DJ. He was a third DJ. Mm. Diamond J was the first DJ. Then Kayla Boss was the second DJ. Mm-hmm. And then Scratch comes along. Because Jay was the connection. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you know, Jay had 50, 51 to get free because you know, he got offered a deal. You know, Jay let him go. He wasn't about holding nobody captive. Uh, he's just trying to do a lot of things. He loved the hood. He, he loved genuine people. He's down to hell. 
So, I mean, it's probably so many other stories of people he helped that we just don't know. Yeah. But it just, man, that's just, ooh. That's, that's one of them times. You know, I think about him from time to time because it's like, okay, I'm in a position I'm in because he's not here. And that makes me a little sad because I would prefer him to be here. Because yeah. I, I still believe I would be out with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no doubt there might have been a different turn for me, but he was in my corner and he was going to help me. So there was no doubt I was still going to achieve some type of status. Whether, you know what I'm saying, whether I was with Run DMC or not, mm-hmm. because of him. You know, he won when I got on radio, he was so happy. Mm-hmm. And you remember, was it uh, Magic Johnson started the late night show? Remember they had DJs on there yeah. and then Chris Spencer took over? Yeah. Well, Jay was on the show. And Jay was trying to get me on the show. He's mm-hmm. like, my man on radio. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, and that, that's what they wanted was radio DJs. They didn't want to take nobody now on radio. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to make that happen for me. He was looking out, man. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we miss him, man. We Hip-hop need more people like him. And it needs to be known, like, with all the social media and everything now, we need to champion those type of people other than just the stupidity who got the styrofoam cup with the lean in it mm-hmm. you know who snapchat dumb shit that don't nobody care about we need to know about people who really care and do things because that's what give us hope like if you just follow the stupidity that's going on now you don't really get no hope that you really can get in the game and do anything you don't but because we don't know who these behind the scenes people are mm-hmm. that's who we need to know about that's what we need to hear. Like, you know, you find out that Wendy Day let David Banner sleep on a couch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he went to New York on a on a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and he slept on her couch. And she got him Nori to buy a beat. And then Nori bought a beat. And then Jake, he was like, oh, I'm on his way. Then later, you know, she orchestrated, you know, his meeting, Universal, Steve Rifkin, all that. Like, we need to hear about that type of stuff. Instead, you know, I was in such and such banging out, blah, blah, blah. I'm sleeping with this model, this actress. You know, we need to hear more of that stuff so people can actually have some hope and maybe our quality of music could go up. Definitely, man. It's definitely been a shift in hip-hop. Um, like I said, it's just the culture of hip-hop. It's not on the decline. It's still out there. But like you said, it's just not being talked about. It's not being shown. We, not. we too tripping off of people in the beefs and the fighting and who getting shot and who's shooting and who is too much of that, man. You know, yet and you got people like Chance the Rapper who they think he just came out of nowhere. And we've been hearing that. I've been hearing that dude name for at least six, seven years. Exactly. And, and heard a few records here and there. So I'm like, they're like, man, where you come from? I'm like, where are you paying attention? Nah, you too busy watching the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, I'm too busy watching Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> so a lot of people say that when when he when he got when he got not even when he got nominated, like he ain't where he come from. Who knows him? Who heard of him before? Like what dude been busting his ass? Definitely, you know. But we you know we don't hear that for one because the machine is not behind it, mm-hmm. and we don't care. At the end of the day, I, I I'm saying the fans or people who's supposed to be, they really don't care. They 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 didn't got lazy where where it's, if it's not in my face and you're not showing it to me, then evidently it must not be nothing. But in the same breath, you're complaining about what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, you you mad at Lil Yachty because he got two dudes on the cover kissing. But, you know, you ain't got to look at that. You know, you know, we got an internet out here with thousands of artists on it that y'all could be trying to fight. But y'all lazy. You know, I, I, I put that out there. The audience is lazy. You know, and you don't support anything else other than what's being thrown in your face. You know, that's why I got to stay in your damn face. <laughs> got to, man. Got to. So, 
after Jay passed, mm-hmm. how did the relationship with you and Run DMC transition? Like, did he go? Because I mean, I'm pretty. Did he go for a while where you didn't hear anything from them or nothing from them? Um, DMC will tell you this, and it, it, it breaks my heart to say it, but he he tells it. He wanted to kill himself. Mm. He was suicidal. What a lot of people didn't know was before Jay died, Run quit. Run DMC. He quit. Mm. Told him I'm done. They said, man, what I wrote he's supposed to do. And he was like, hey, they better learn to push a broom or something. Mm. And and D actually put that in his book. <laughs> wow. So it, it's trust me, it's true. And so D, let's think about he'd been on the road since he was 18 years old. Mm. He dropped out of St. John's and started being a hip-hop star. So this is all he's been doing. And now it's not happening. He don't know what to do. Uh, He's suicidal. He always was a drinker. Always. People remember he came out when Jay did that intro. He always came out with a 40 in the brown bag in his hand. (laughs) That was his thing. He drank that whole E. Whatever came in the 40. So uh, as he tell it, he heard a song by uh, Sir McLaughlin called Angel, which saved his life. He decides to write a book. He calls his parents. He's like, yo, when I was born, they was like, you uh, born this day, such and such, such and such. And 30 days later, we took you home. He's like, hmm? Call back again. Hey, hey, such and such. They said, yeah, we brought you home. You was a beautiful baby, such and such. We're going to call you back. This was going on, for, I think he said like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. The finally went, yeah, we brought you home from the hospital. You're adopted. Talk to you later. Whoa. That's how he found out at 35, being 35 years old, which is like almost 20 years ago, yeah, about 20 years ago almost, mm-hmm. that he found out he's adopted. And that gave him a new lease on life. So he starts recording. He's ready to do shows. He hires Hurricane, who's the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Was the Beastie Boy DJ, because Mixmaster Mike later got the gig. And I don't know what happened with that. I really don't. I just know Beastie called me and said, yo, D wants to be his DJ. What's up? I'm like, yeah. The D calls, hey, we come to St. Louis to practice. He came to St. Louis, we had one practice. That was probably 04. Okay. And then, then we, it was it. Like, when I went out, he liked, because I, you know, I got a gift. So I could follow what he do with no problem. He don't have to tell me nothing twice. I'm on it. He liked what I bring to the table. Plus, you know, I was hyping him up on the mic because he was having the voice issues mm-hmm. where he wasn't losing his voice. It was a neurological thing mm-hmm. where his vocal cords was telling his brain that he's screaming mm-hmm. when he talked. So he'll start off like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? That damn scene, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting around. His voice was just going away, but it was neurological. I think he said he was doing some exercises or whatever to work on it. So voice is perfect, but I had to help. So I'm doing the rhymes with him. Hype, like, he liked the whole film. Then I could give him real DJ turntables and stuff. Yeah. Because he, he about the culture. And be inseparable ever since. Like, whatever D do, you don't perform without. Like, you call D, want to do one record? You got to bring my DJ. You got to pay him. Or else he won't do it. And you, you actually got the, which was his story, you got the DJ in Vietnam with him. Yeah, we were the first... To my knowledge, first artist, period. Mm-hmm. Whether it's rock and roll, R&B, whatever, we were the first artist, period, to ever perform in Vietnam. What was it? Now, what was it? When was that? And what was that for? Um, we were there with the Hard Rock Hotel. Okay. Like, we were there to perform at the Hard Rock to a show. Mm-hmm. So they the ones that 
that brought matter of fact we had been on like we started this tour it was 2010 january 2010 we started a tour with this guy uh in uh spain he was like middleman he worked all these little days so we going from like to germany athens greece mm. london paris we did three cities in spain like madrid i can't remember the other two uh we did uh you know the netherlands like we did all that with him but the last two shows we had on singapore and vietnam and they went to hard rock cafe mm. so that's how we got there what was the experience like going to vietnam and spending man especially since they don't they don't really have anybody perform there man, it, it, it was it was it was an experience because it's like you know we're in asia okay um you get there and you know okay we went to war with these people and we lost because <laughs> we had an interpreter and me and her would be Joan and she'd be like remember y'all lost <laughs> and i'd be like okay you want to bring that i said you're lucky y'all in japan we drop bomb on y'all ass like oh. <laughs> like but she was just like you know she was funny yeah so she you know she she heard us talking Joan, so she figured where she could go with it but like we get there I saw a family of four on a scooter, like a Honda scooter. <laughs> Literally, a family of four. A on family a of four. There, this how it was. There was a little boy standing on a little board, like right in front of his father, while his father's riding. And then the wife is behind the father, and then she got little baby strapped on her. It was all on this scooter. It was incredible. And like ninety percent of people have scooters. Like if you go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. it looks like a scooter lot. <laughs> it's just you know you're Vince where it's a lot of bikes. Yeah, just imagine a lot of scooters. Um, they got a few stoplights, but crossing the street was the scariest thing ever. Cause the dude said, "Don't worry, just walk." He said, "Don't worry, just walk." He said, "Look at them as you walk. They'll slow down enough for you to get by. But if you do all this little shit, you know, you get to wavering, you might cause an accident. They might hit you. Mm. So he just walked across." Like, imagine being on any busy street yeah. you know. They doing about 35, 40 miles an hour. Shoot, like Lindbergh. Yeah. <laughs> just, just imagine <laughs> it. You just decide to walk. So what it is is I said, okay, fuck it. I walked across. I liked it so much. I did like four or five times. I just walk back Because <laughs> it was pissing them off. to like, this guy. It was amazing, though. And then I went to KFC, and they was like, uh, will you be dining in or take home? And, they actually had tablecloths. At KFC? At KFC to sit down. Okay. And I was like, no, I don't want shit to go. Like, yeah. You know, I, I want some chicken. Like, I want something I know. You know, I've been eating everything else. I'm like, I want something I know. And come to find out, that was kind of like fine dining ah. for them. Like, this, this, this equates this, you know, we buy whatever we want whenever we want. Mm-hmm. They had to save up a whole year to buy one $80 pair of Adidas. Good Lord, man. So think of the poverty they go through. The government don't just let you leave. Our interpreter wanted to go to school at UCLA. She was accepted, or better yet, USC. They wouldn't let her even get a visa mm-hmm. to leave because people leave and don't come back. I see. So, you know, and some of the other little stuff, you know, they, they was good with the laundry. I went to the laundry spot, right? Because, you know, we've been on the road going yeah. on 30 days, and I ain't, I need to wash these clothes. Mm-hmm. And I went, and the lady took all my clothes and put them on a giant pile. And I looked at her like, how you gonna know <laughs> what's what? And it was a little, little Asian girl. She about 12. She's like, she know, she know. 
I'm like, yo, y'all just gonna throw my stuff like, and then you threw my man biscuit stuff, everybody's stuff in one, like, it's already a giant pile. They say, she knows. So I left it at that. Later that evening, hotel people say, yo, little girl down here for you. Little girl down there, what y'all talking about? Like, hey, this don't sound right. <laughs> Not at all. But I come down, and it's the little girl. Mm. She rode a bike, and she had four giant bags. <laughs> On this bike, <laughs> regular pedal bike, and she's like, "This yours?" Because we had already paid. She's like, "This yours?" They had drawers, iron, folded, sock, like everything was exactly where they didn't miss nothing. How much did that run you? Man? It was like forty bucks. Did you tip her? Nah, I ain't had no more money. <laughs> ain't had no more cash. Uh, I was, I was sliding it at this yeah, point, boy. Yeah. You know, um, that was amazing. That that amazed us, and then we went to this club where, <laughs> you know, you got the workers. Oh, okay. okay. You know, they doing their thing. Yeah. And they can't come upstairs. Really? So we upstairs. And dude's like, yeah, you know, the whores stay downstairs. So I never get, this chick got upstairs. And uh, I see him pick her up by the neck and throw her downstairs. Good Lord. Like, I mean, yes. literally, like cartoon, like a cartoon, like picked up by the throat. Like, uh-huh. and just... Flung her back down the stairs. The stairs is concrete. He God. flung her ass down the stairs. And I'm like, what the hell? She got up, dusted herself off. Because I was standing at the steps. Why the hell would you even... St- why she even stick upstairs? She was then? trying to get that money. Nah, bro. <laughs> she was trying to get that... Hey, dude, when I tell you that, that, that it's serious. Like, I wanted to get him aside. And I've been rolling through Europe in a bus. Like a, like a nice... Uh, Mercedes being travel van. It's yeah. big, though. It's bulky. It, it, ain't, it ain't nothing sexy about it. Or cute at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, look like FedEx been delivering shit in it for real. <laughs> but, I mean, and then I got on these planes, so I'm uncomfortable. You know, we day 28 of a 30-day trek. Because I left on New Year's Day for Spain. <laughs> January 10th. Like, so... I'm trying to actually get a real massage. Everybody is directing me to everything but. <laughs> everything. Like, hey, you want the massage? You go see the girl. I was like, no. You want the rub and tug? Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up getting a massage in the hotel. We stayed at the Marriott. Best yeah. spot there. Uh, little 12-year-old. With the roughest hands of anybody <laughs> ever met. They told me, though. They said she don't speak no English. All she going to tell you is turnover and done. <laughs> That's like so, you you go. I said, yeah, I want that. You know, give me that motherfucking massage. I want to fit, man. That little girl. I was like, oh my god, this is hurting. Like, I'm trying not to cry. Oh, I ended up man. jumping off the table halfway man, through no, and going again to say, yo, tell her uh, medium, medium. Like, <laughs> and, uh, you you can't leave. I'm like, yo. <laughs> She's like little, like yeah. look, man. And and, and it, it was funny because later I was like, yo, I got this massage. They was like, yeah. I was like, no. Did not get that type of massage. I'm scared of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Bruh, I don't blame you. But it, it, it was Vietnam really like because we we you know we walked around. We went to see where we actually fought, mm-hmm. and I saw some of the dopest. <laughs> I hate to say this traps that they was catching us with. Like what? You know I'm ex marine, so we were under at the time the fight we were under the army, and mm-hmm. the army's thing of doing stuff is different than the marines. So, like, the Army take everything in the field with them. So, you know, Jeeps is getting stuck. So, Viet Cong was grabbing the tires off and making signals. Wow. Like, really? straight up taking them and cutting the, cutting the tire up, making sandals. 
Uh, they had they literally had these little that little burying in the ground. Mm-hmm. They was cold. They dug this stuff up, but this is how smart they were. They took the dirt and actually moved it to the beach. So like you you twenty miles in, and they you know they running around up under the ground getting you. What? And and I was thinking like, but they did all that digging. Y'all never saw no damn dirt. <laughs> so no, they was digging. It's like no, they took the dirt and put it on the beach. What? So that's how we never figured it out. Then they had a trap where it was some spikes in it, right? So it's in the grass. You walk, you step, and your foot go down, and the spikes go right through it. <sighs> so what's the first thing you do when you step on something? Is you raise your leg? Yeah, up. raise your leg. Up. It spikes in the top. Ah. So you step down, you're like, oh shit, and you pull your leg up, they get you again. Ah. I saw that shit. I, ain't like, I was like, at first, I was like, damn. Then I thought about it, I was like, this shit, dog. That's crazy. Really and I was too scared to get in a little hole. Like, people actually got down a little hole. Mm-hmm. You could stand up once you got down there and literally run around. But I was scared. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't getting in there. <laughs> Look tight. Yeah. But people got down there like, man, there's a whole lot of room down here. <laughs> so, you know, that, that gave me like history of what, you know, we kind of mm-hmm. went through over there. But it was just like the people, you know, it's just like what you saw on TV. Like when you saw Full Metal Jacket, I Love You Long Time and all that. That shit real. God, that shit real, dog. Good. Oh, man, I'm about to watch Full Metal Jacket now. Man, that, it messed me up. It messed me up. I was like, that. I was like, yo. Did she say love you long time? Mm. <laughs> yeah, they, they. And I never, I never seen nothing like that in my life. I like, I was like, you know what? We complain here. Yeah. And we could go pretty much eat what we want. Do pretty much, no matter how poor you are, you probably could do probably about at least 30, 40% of what you want to do. Yeah. They can't do nothing. Nothing. Like, like, if we ain't got no food tonight, how we getting something tomorrow? Mm. Cause they don't make no money. You talking about working a job, getting like a dollar a day, two dollars a week. You know, like literally, mm-hmm. that's going on. We over here crying. Mm-hmm. He ain't paying me enough. We'll go over there and live. So, so I do gotta know how did the KFC taste over there? It was fire. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was fire too. I ain't gonna. Cause I would have did it taste like regular KFC. It tastes like like they make sure they got their quality control. So, so they got the original recipe over there. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh man, it was good. I ain't gonna lie. It was good. It was good. So what else? So you been so Vietnam? I know you've been you've been to Dubai, haven't you? Yeah. So what's the bit out of all the places, countries you've toured? Japan, Japan, Tokyo, Tokyo. Yeah. What's that like, man? Was it was it with Run DMC? No, me and DMC. Just, you and DMC? Uh, they still got a lot of their culture intact. So one thing, like when you go eat, you don't tip. You know, you don't have to tip because hmm. they feel this is the service you deserve. So what are you giving me something extra for? I ain't asking nothing extra from you. Are they offended if you tip? No, nah, but sometimes they say, oh, no. You know, but they, they pretty much will take it. They just, it's just, it ain't something you got to do. And they don't expect it. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. And the way you get served your food was shocking. Like I sat down and I ordered, because I couldn't read the menu. We had to interpret. I was like, that's beef and chicken. Let me get that. Mm-hmm. What's this? Oh, let me get that. So I ordered. So we sitting there. They brought the rice out. I want to put my meat in the rice. That ain't how they eat it. It's like the rice crumb you eat. So I'm sitting there with the head of Warner Brothers in Japan, like I'm waiting on my beef. Mm. <laughs> He's like, no, no, you eat now. You eat. So I'm like, all right, I think I got forced. I got pumped. Yeah, you did, bro. So I eat. I eat it. Mm. Then I didn't realize it was four different types of beef. They had four different like chicken things in the pot. I didn't know. Mm. So I'm full. I had a big ass bowl of rice. 
I ate a little bit of the meat, but I'm struggling. Then something else came that they ordered. Hey, I need none of that. And they finished their meal off with a giant bowl of noodles. I was like, how do y'all eat all that to eat these damn noodles? <laughs> I'm over here stuffed, can't... But it come out as it's ready. So they don't sit like when you go to restaurants. Yeah. They bring it out as it's ready. So they ain't back there trying to figure out this take 15 minutes and this take five. So in 10 after you put this in, they ain't doing none of that. Like you're going to get that rice, you're going to get the meat, you get it as it's ready. Mm-hmm. And they know how to cook. Man. They, they know, man. The season, I had the best chicken wings ever in my life in Japan. They was lemon pepper too. I always want to go to uh, Tokyo, man. Never, never been. It's clean. Like, there ain't nothing on the ground. I bet it look. Does it look like it? I would imagine that, like, the architecture is just, just crazy looking over there. It's, 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 it's just, they trying to be like us. Really? So, you know, Tokyo is lit up like Times Square. Mm. You know, I went across that giant crosswalk everybody do. Went mm. there, stood in the middle, took a picture real quick. Yeah. It is crazy when, like, like 15,000, 20,000 people across it. Jeez. And you walking. And you know, did you try any of their food? Like anything that they eat over there that we wouldn't eat normally eat over here? No, I was I was scared. Mm. I, the thing is, when I go and I'm not much, I don't have much of um, a variety of my food. I'm all American. I'm like hamburger, pizza, hot dog, yeah. spaghetti, <laughs> lasagna. Not shut up, experiment. Too you know, much. I'm out there like, hey, uh, you know, you ever had this bell pepper with the? No, I don't even eat bell peppers. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. I got over there and I was looking. They like this is such and such soup, and I'm like, mm, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, what's that right there? Well, this is chicken. Set. I'll try that because it looked <laughs> like something we have here. Mm. It might just be a different seasoning or whatever they called it. But no, nah, I, I didn't. I didn't step out that box, man. So how was Dubai? Overrated. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Being from St. Louis, being from Missouri, you know we don't give a damn about nothing. Mm-hmm. Not for real. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. It was nice. Uh, I probably would enjoy it if I had a significant other mm. or took a homeboy something with me. Like, I went, and I'm like, it's the desert. You got these big, fancy buildings. They dope. You know, you can go ride the camels. Okay. We can, you know, ride the dune buggies. It's not whack. It's just different. You know, it's an Arab nation. It's Muslim. No, no problem with Islam. None of that. Because I study it. Uh, there is no strip of clubs. Mm. All the clubs are in a hotel. Mm. There is no liquor store, so you will not be going anywhere to buy liquor except for the club in the hotel. Huh. So you ain't going to be like, oh, this is the strip. Yeah, we here to buy the strip. Mm-mm, we ain't doing that. Mm. We ain't doing that at all. You in the hotel where the club is. Okay. And the clubs are popping. You know, it's 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 different, you know, because you, you want to know the laws. You know, you walk around, you got the Muslim women, they covered. So In the club? Well, that this this is where it gets funny. <laughs> I'm gonna just take you in the mall. The mall is dope. They got skating ring, fish tank, all that. I'm like, but it's a mall. I'm here to shop. I don't care about that. You know mm-hmm. what y'all got? We ain't got nothing. Everything they got, we got too. So that was no big deal. It was just dope to see like all these two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar rides parked in the front. Yeah. You ever seen like fifty gold plated Bentleys? <laughs> like that was what was like dope to me to see. Maseratis, cars you never ever would see here mm-hmm. or even in LA for real, you know maybe one or two because who all can really afford $700,000 on one vehicle yeah. that they driving on the street, you know what I'm saying, like that was dope like you're in the, you're in the, you're in the you know, you're in the 
the mall, you see the chicks covered. All of them don't cover their faces. Some of them, you know, got the little face thing. You just see the eyes. A lot of them faces open. You don't really know if you can say anything or not. They kind of have to certain motion you a certain way to know okay or smile if you can say so because so you'll see the men walk and the women walk behind mm. so you don't know yeah if they together mm. so that's kind of different so you know you're on guard because you know you don't want to get arrested mm. you know you don't want to break any of their laws because you don't know you know we get over there like oh man I'm from america i'm do what i want to do no oh. don't play that shit <laughs> your ass up quick. <laughs> so you go to the club now this is the funniest thing you in the club you see these chicks come in Damn, they, 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 they still wrapped up. Five minutes later, they either come out of the bathroom or out of their VIP because they do wear name brand clothes under that. Really? So imagine you seeing the chick, you're like, damn, she bad. Like, is she covered? And all of a sudden, boom! <laughs> she take the head wrap off, you know, she take the robe off. You like, damn! <laughs> and she got on Fendi, Prada, Killing it, killing it. You know, you can't see what she covered except yeah. for her feet. Yeah. You know, you might see some Prada slippers or something on it. Like, yeah. okay, you know, because they over there buying all this stuff, and you like, nobody ever see you in it but your husband. Yeah, for real. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you out, but not in the club. They, they, uh, what kind of music they playing in the club? They ain't playing the same stuff we play. Mm-hmm. I was over there like, they is not playing Future <laughs> here in Dubai. Not, 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 not the. The mixtape future. I'm not talking about the album singles. What? I'm talking about is that your hoe? That's my hoe too. You know what? You know, like, oh. Wow. They get it in. They get it like, you know, the, the music, it was no different. It was just being there because, you know, here in St. Louis, we always stuck with the same sound all night. So it was cool to be there and hear Usher record, hear some Biggie, hear some Pop, you know, turn around here, Ice-T joint. You know what I'm saying? Like, they was rocking. Mm-hmm. The club was cracking. Them Arab women, oh. that's a different type of exotic right there. Boy. Yeah, I've, I've only seen them in pictures on Instagram. <laughs> when you see them in person, mm, make you change religions. <laughs> <laughs> you be the Allah, boy. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey man, I thought you loved Jesus. Shut up, fool. <laughs> oh man, I'm just saying. It's like you know, it's beautiful women everywhere, but it's like. Yeah. You know, I, I was a little nervous mm. being around because I didn't know a lot of things. So I, I like I don't want to disrespect nobody. You know, just all that kind of stuff. I want to make sure I stay in line. And we had an interpreter and a DJ from the area who was like, "Yo, don't do this, don't do that." Mm-hmm. You know, if one of the girls smile at you, smile back. She might talk and she might not, but don't like just walk up on them because. Yeah. You, you know, you might not want them problems. You know, and the thing is, see, some of them are married; they don't wear rings. So you don't know, just don't know. And then the ones who like cover, where you just see their eyes. You know, you know, we we a little racist and funny about jokes here. Dude told me they called them ninjas. I died laughing. Wow. I said, could you just see the eye? He like, yeah, man, I know it's funny. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm not saying. It. He's like, yeah, we call them ninjas. Everybody do. What? And then his wife is Arab. She covered, right? Mm. But she don't cover face. She said, yeah, you see the ninja over there? And I was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said, I am not saying that. But it was it was funny as hell. Then they said the ones who don't have a thing, they Batman. That's Batman. <laughs> so my man wife, she was like, yeah, I'm Batman. And I was that's like, you know what? Funny, don't tell man. me nothing else because I might mess up oh. and say this and screw things up. So yeah. 
you know that, that it, it, it's cool it's it's definitely something to do mm. but you know like to me if you got a significant other or you know you got some paper mm. that you can really get out get around you know it's cool but you need to learn what's going on like what's really happening over there because like i said it's the desert mm. you know dubai is not that big it might say i don't know the actual size of we could say probably put like clayton and you city something that big Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Or it could be the size of the north side or whatever. I mean, it's a dope spot. I, I didn't enjoy myself the first time because we didn't really have nobody to like take care of us, make sure we do anything. But the second time, it was on. It was on the second time. You know, saw a little honey I keep in contact with. Oh, you bet you <laughs> Oh, that's your middle attendant in Dubai, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't nothing happening. Um, I'm going to keep it real. Ain't nothing happening, you know. You're still fancy, though, man. Yeah, that's, that's big, bro. That's but big. we had people we actually hung out. That's when I went to the club. And you know, people's like, yo, this, this, is that, is that, is that, and, you know, and, and I really did enjoy that the second time, but it's kind of like, if I never go back, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And you know, laws over there, like, you just can't go and DJ. Like, you know how we just go out of town, take our little bag, like, oh, I can get on? Not in Dubai. You literally have to get approval from the government. Mm. They do not play. They roll up in the club, and you DJ, and they're like, that's not such and such. Oh, yeah, that's such and such. Shut you down right there on the spot. Dang. Like, yo, it ain't no joke. God, dog. So the first time me and D went over there, they didn't clear it. Like, mm-hmm. we turned in the paperwork too late. So we wasn't cleared to perform. So this was the thing. D can rock the mic as long as he's not in the booth. Dude, is that serious, man? Is that serious? Like, if he ain't in the booth, he can talk on the mic. Mm-hmm. He in the booth? No. So I had the DJ for him. It was like the last five minutes of the club. Dude was like, just jump on. And they ain't coming here now. And we did like two records real quick. God. And got out of there. Because dude, you know, paid all that money for us to come. Mm-hmm. And then had a clearance. Why is it that strict though for that? Uh, you know, it's whatever they law is. They, I never got an answer. Mm-hmm. But I just figured, okay, y'all really trying to control. Gotcha. What happened? Because, you know. They want to know because you know if you over there working getting money. See the thing is, people over there getting money, so you ain't just ain't gonna show up, mm-hmm. book yourself in the club, and then you gonna get paid when the government don't know about it. I feel you. You know they 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 not having it. Like we we got a show coming up in London and we had to get some paperwork clearance and stuff, so they don't try to keep our money or tax us and all yeah. that stupid stuff. So the second time I went to Dubai was cool. Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah, we was at Comic Con. Oh, ooh, that, that had to be big, man. Oh, yeah. I had never been to a Comic-Con before, and that mug was jumping. See, you know, them in them costumes? Mm-hmm. And I just seen the most, like I said, it was just the most beautiful women of all races. Mm-hmm. You know, you sitting looking at a chick, you think she white, and she's not. You know, you see her mom and dad, they both light-skinned. Like, but you came out looking like a Caucasian woman. She's like, I'm black. Wow. And she started talking and she just like, you know, my parents are just light. I just happened to be light her. Gotcha. She said, but my hair ain't blind, I bleached it this color. <laughs> you know, you like, and it's just, and the thing is, you know, we from the States and they recognize <laughs> us. So, you know, everybody wants to talk. Mm-hmm. See, so I had so many conversations I couldn't remember. Took so many pictures, signed so many autographs. <laughs> I was like Nelly in Dubai. That's just, that's what I'm equated with. Yeah. Like when Country Grammar came out, you just couldn't get enough of them. Yeah. That was me in Dubai. That, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's so <laughs> funny. So, so I heard. Uh, I, I think you were on tour with with, with DMC, but you and LL Cool J met. 
and a, didn't he think you? He thought you were security. Thought I was a damn security. <laughs> he he his uh, manager, publicist or whatever, talks to Dee's manager Eric, so they knew they always know we in L.A. We come out of our hotel and there is L.A. There is LL in a burgundy Maserati. I think it was burgundy. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, yeah, I knew I was gonna catch y'all, son. What's up? Let's go get something to eat. I heard you, Eric say y'all was going to eat. Let's go eat. So we walk. We go to the Hard Rock. When I'm with D, you become security. Whether you mm-hmm. want to or not. Anytime yeah. I take somebody with me, they become security. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the manager, he warned people off. And the thing is, nobody is really running up on us that bad. You know, we go out, maybe 20, 30 people over the course of two or three hours. Mm-hmm. So nobody is, like, losing it. Because a lot of times you walk by, you realize once you get past them. Some people, you know, they try to go where they go. Yeah. So, you know, with L, he there, you know. We go eat at the Hard Rock Cafe, and <laughs> D was talking, and D was like, yeah, you know, like when me and Charlie do our shows, you know what I'm saying, Charlie be on the cut, blah, 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 I'm doing this, that's what man, and L goes, who's Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, my DJ Charlie, he's like, oh, you the DJ? You the motherfucking DJ? <laughs> man, I thought you was motherfucking security. <laughs> I said, well, guess what? I charge $100 an hour. I think you owe me. <laughs> and he laughed. And then, then it made sense because I kept asking him questions about how did he get the Z trip. Yeah. He never really answered it. <laughs> he just kind of said, well, you know, I met him and he wanted to do this. And then we just got together. Like, he didn't. Because it's like when I asked him, he kind of paused on me, you know. And I'm like, like okay. Why you asking me this? Yeah. But, you know. You know Z trip? You ever met him? Yeah. I mean, uh, they did that DMC battle in St. Louis and one with K9. Yeah. Was the finalist. C Trip was one of the judges. Me, okay. him, and the Fly the Act. Okay. And then um, when LA was doing the Kings of the Mic tour, the first one, the final show was LA. Mm-hmm. And we suckered DMC. And they're going to the show saying, Yo, public enemy, that Chuck D want to talk to you. <laughs> and and <laughs> we, we get in there, D, like, You motherfuckers have fooled me. <laughs> Chuck was like, What's up, D? I didn't even know you was in town. <laughs> At this point, we like, and then L ran up on D and wanted to bring him out to perform. Mm-hmm. D kept saying, no, 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 no. He's like, come on, D, I want to do Peter Piper. It's my favorite run DMC record. Yeah. So I have footage in the cloud of them practicing doing Peter Piper. Wow. I just backed out. And Z Trip was like, all right, D like, run it like this, blah, blah, blah. And then they doing the whole song. Yeah. And I was like, man. Then when I saw L six, seven months later, I said, hey, man, I want to post this. He said, man, you still holding on to that? <laughs> you ain't put that out? I said, well, I didn't get your permission. Like, I know with D, yeah, you- I can do it. I said, I didn't want to post this mm-hmm. without your permission. He's like, oh, man, you can use it. He's like, man, I appreciate, you know, you asking me. I said, well, you LL, so I don't want to do nothing that fuck up shit because, you know, you just ain't no rapper, dude. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. Like, you know, you, you my cat, nigga. You bad. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he was like, man, post that shit. And I still have it, but it's in the cloud. <laughs> I got to pull it out. You got to, man. You got to grab, man. Come on, man. Because it's like maybe a minute and a half mm-hmm. of them doing it. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, I don't, no, no, no. He like do this and the thing is is D's doing it the original way him and Run used to do it and mm-hmm. LL knows that one mm-hmm. so like he was on it I was like man L was so geeked that's the first time you know and L's known to be arrogant and, mm-hmm. but he looked like a little kid like when I say he was geeked it gave you a whole nother version of him I'm like I heard he arrogant I ain't seen none of that shit mm-hmm. he was like literally said D you the shit 
like I know I'm LL, but you the shit, dog. I admire you. I look up to you. And he was just so humble the whole time. It was like, and I'm like, damn, I'm here with DMC and LL. Mm-hmm. Now we walking around. They see L. He signed an autograph. Nobody recognizes D. Then all of a sudden, this lady bumped into him, trying to get to LL, looked up, and realized it was him. She said, all this time, we breaking our neck to take the picture with L. Here the king of rock. <laughs> so... Next you know, I'm on security duty. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough, y'all. That's enough. No more. No more. LL is done for the day. This is it. This is it. <laughs> hey, L, you still owe my man uh, $100 an hour for that security, man. Yeah, yeah. Or give me some of my capellas like Rocket Bells or something. I know you got them. I heard something like you play them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Um, so I want to kind of circle back okay. to like, yo, you, you know, you're a historic radio DJ here in St. Louis. I want to kind of go back to your roots. Doing radio here in St. Louis, like, where did you start? When did you start? Well, it would actually go to 88.1. It had to be 87. The Washu College Station. Okay. Uh, we found out one day somebody's like, yo, man, it's a station playing hip-hop at, like, 4 in the afternoon. Mm. And it's cursing. What? Yeah. Because, you know, college radio station, different bandwidth. And they can play profanity. So we cut on, they playing the NWA, like we hearing the dirty versions. Wow. So we go up there. I can't remember the guy we met, but we go up there. We had a record, he played it. He let me get on DJ a couple of times. So that's kind of the start of it. But then later, uh, when we making our first record, we meet G Wiz. Cause G, you know, Wiz was holding it down and uh, doing all the skate stuff at um, Skate King. Mm-hmm. And we meet G Wiz and he doing African Alert. And then later, he took over the show, and it became Street Vibes. So, at that point, he, and I was like, man, Wiz, I really want to come on the air. He was like, all right, man, you know, you got to keep it clean. You know, we play. And he invited me on once, then twice. Then he was like, man, just call him, let me know you want to do it. And I called him, and then he was like, yo, I'm going out of town. Uh, can you do the show with Sylvester the Cat? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So, that's the beginning. I didn't really talk. I was just playing music. But... 2000, 99, 2000 rolled around, and we hear of a hip hop station coming. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so that's gonna wrap up part one, man. I told you it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot, lot, lot. Um, and we still got another almost two hours, two hours to go. Um, so yeah, so I want y'all to tune in on Friday and make sure you follow me. I am DJ Epic. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. I am DJ Epic. I appreciate y'all taking the time to tune in. Make sure y'all share the podcast, unscripted lyrics. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Keep coming back. Keep supporting. I appreciate y'all support. I love y'all. Holla. Thank you for listening to Unscripted Lyrics with DJ Epic.